Welcome to Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Nearing. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa from True North Homeschool Academy, and we are here with another podcast, Life Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age, and I am back with Angie Farrell. So, hey, Angie, glad to have you on this week's podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm ready for you. <laughs> yeah, we are. We were talking um, because Angie recorded um, a video for us for the Summer Splash Summit on the history of education in America. And she did a segment on what is true, good, and beautiful. And so we were talking about that idea and just the fact that do we all really understand what what truth, beauty, and goodness is. We talk about that a lot in the homeschool world. You hear that phrase all the time. I use it myself in so many of like our podcasts and our Facebook lives and everything. So I think it's a good thing to think about and explore. And Angie, um, you have some great ideas and thoughts about this. (laughs) It's a big topic. (laughs) It is a big topic. And I've spent a lot of years trying to figure it out. And I can appreciate when people say, what is classical education? What is truth, beauty, and goodness? What is paideia? Like, what are these terms? Yeah. And then you'll, when you ask someone that, they'll say, well, it's not that easy to define. So let me talk for 20 minutes. <laughs> and yeah. um, it, it is very frustrating. And I was even on a Facebook page the other day for classical educators. And I'd said, hey, I'm going to be doing this talk. And the person said, do you understand how classical education is defined? Here, watch this YouTube video. And it was a long, like a 40-minute YouTube video talking about one tiny little concept. And I thought, well, this is why people don't understand. Right, right. We need to simplify. So that was my goal. I said, I'm going to try to make something that's approachable. And I mean, I didn't cover everything, but I do feel like that's important for homeschoolers to, goodness, you know, sometimes we, we don't mean to, but we make things look harder than they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like for some of us that are homeschooling, I feel like sometimes if we make it harder than it needs to be, we're justifying the fact that we're at home homeschooling. (laughs) Do you know what (laughs) I mean? Like sometimes it can feel like I gave up a career or I could have like, we could make all this money and go on vacation every year or whatever, but I gave that up because I'm in a homeschool. So, and you know what I mean? And so it makes things complicated. We're like, see, it's justified because it's complex. (laughs) Yeah. Or we don't want to admit that we're having fun, right? Because, you know, then it would be like, it's not real. We're just clowning around. It's not serious. It has to be serious if we're really, and it's like, does it really though? It's not adult work if we're not suffering a little bit, maybe. (laughs) I mean, is that puritanical? It feels like it is. (laughs) Oh, it is. And I think that for me, when I was working and I felt like I was doing something very meaningful and purposeful, but, but I I knew I was getting out of the rat race. Okay. And, and, and why is that not okay to celebrate and say, this thing I'm doing over here is really great. Yeah. I love getting up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that you don't hear about enough of in the homeschooling world is that I I've been saying this more and more this year. It is a great way to invest your adult life as a parent is to mm-hmm. homeschool your kids. 
And it can be a really beautiful way to spend your time. And yes. I don't think we focus on that enough because I, mm-hmm. here's the other thing, homeschooling is a job. So in, in my world, you, you know, German and, you know, all the things I am, like, if you have a job to do, you do the job, right? Like <laughs> we take our job seriously. And so that's my family and where I come from. So it is a job and there's a lot to be thought about when you do homeschooling. But the fact is you get to discover who your kids are. You get to help them do some of the most important learning in the world. Like, you know, become literate. That if you don't change someone's life by be, by helping them attain literacy, I don't know what else is life changing yes. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, literacy is it, it just changes everything. Um, you get to be there for that, and you get to read all the books and go on the field trips and all the things. So it's really it can be really fun. Yeah, um, let's be honest. We're redeeming our own education as well. Yeah. Many of us went to public school, and we look back now and we think that didn't really work for me. I was taking a lot of tests and getting good grades in school. And it looked like I was getting a great education based on my report card, but none of it resonated with me. I don't remember any of it. And when I started homeschooling my kids, I realized that. And then it was weird because here I am with my adult mind that isn't nearly as good as it was when it was young. And I am retaining the information much better. I'm remembering details that I didn't as a child. Why? Because it's being taught properly and in a more ordered fashion. And I was building my own capacity for learning alongside my children. It didn't really click with me until I'd been doing it a while. And I thought, wow, I'm getting a chance to redo my own education as well. And that was a really neat feeling because we could grow together so there's so many positives that we forget to mention because it can be difficult. There's no doubt. Parenting right. and, and, and educating is hard, um, but we we yeah. do. We forget to tell people all of the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's a great segue into when we talk about truth, beauty, and goodness. Um, so let's, let's take those terms one by one. Um, truth to me is pretty straightforward. Um, from a faith-based perspective, truth is capital T and it's based on Christ and there's a God of the Bible and we can camp there. Um, <laughs> it's pretty And it's not relative. It is objective. Yeah. And I think our society has lost touch with that. And you'd have to lose touch with it if you'd rejected the God of the Bible, right? Because if there is no God, where does truth come from? And right. so for us, it's very obvious that truth comes from the, from the creator of the universe. Right. But for the world without a God, it comes from themselves. And so then what does that do? It creates, well, yeah. And we know we're changing. Who I was 20 years ago is really different yes. than who I am now. So does my truth change? If we don't have, if we don't have something like the Bible to yes. have as our foundation, it's going to ebb and flow. And we know the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all those ways, right? So um, that at True North, we say we are people of the book, um, the Bible. Um, so truth, truth seems obvious. Now, really mining the truth of scripture can take a lifetime um, yes. because there's language and culture and genres and the philosophy of the Bible and all those things um, that are not as straightforward <laughs> as we would hope they would be. Damien. Yes. Yes. But well, life is complicated, isn't it? And, and there are a lot of moving parts, yeah. but, but knowing that there is an objective truth uh, is there, even if we're not always sure what the answer is, but that we can seek it and we can pray about it. And, and, and we're, we're always trying to connect right. to it versus just saying, well, it's just whatever I decide that's quick and easy. Yeah. 
but yeah. um, it's, it's in, in the short work. term, in the short it, yeah, term, it's not <laughs> long term. Exactly. Exactly. I yeah. Agree. Okay. So truth, capital T, what about <laughs> beauty? What about beauty? <laughs> well, I mean, we almost, this is a thing. We always say truth, beauty, and goodness, but I feel like we have to say truth, goodness, and beauty because okay. you have to build the goodness after the truth like they when you think about building the house the beauty becomes the last thing and i'm going to tell you why in a minute but goodness the truth we know is objective that is right pretty clear to us yeah goodness is that expression of truth in a lot of ways it is it is something is good when it is fulfilling its purpose mm. And I think that it, that is probably the most complicated aspect of truth, goodness, and beauty. People really defining goodness is very difficult for people. We say, oh, something's good or something's bad, right? But it's really not that way. When you think of mm -hmm. morality and goodness, yeah. goodness really is that obligation to the truth, to fulfill what is true, to do what is what is good is to fulfill the truth. It's to... Think about God's definition of things. And so it's really hard to define um, beauty with it without really understanding what goodness is. And God has defined goodness is that essential nature of things and you're honoring it, right? So it, a woman, for example, we have a lot of complicated definitions happening now in our society, but the essence of what a woman is, is good because God created us yes. that way. The creation is good because God declared it good. And yes. when things are behaving the way he set them in the order he set them they are good but when mm -hmm. things begin to change from the order and the way he set them then they're not good anymore so i know in my video i talked about the way to help your children know what's beautiful is to develop what's called moral imagination and that comes mm -hmm. from understanding goodness so when you think about goodness teaching children to appreciate something fulfilling its purpose and having meaning um, when you think about teaching your children standards like etiquette, mm -hmm. being kind to other people, uh, showing love and mercy, um, mm. just being considerate even, mm -hmm. exercising discipline in our homeschools is actually goodness. Mm -hmm. Because what is the purpose of our of our homes, right, is to provide a stable environment for our children. So when we do that, that's good. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of education, right? It's to build up our children as whole people. And when we're right. doing that in an orderly way, that is good. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it, I think that's the hardest of truth, goodness, and beauty to define because a lot of people just immediately go, okay, right and wrong. That's what goodness yeah. is. Yeah. But it really yeah. is defining. It's so much deeper than that. It's just finding the essence of things. Oh, Martin Cawthon would love that this conversation right now because he, he, you know, he uh, wrote all those great logic books and they, he talks a lot about that in his workshops about the essence of things, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is reminding me of a book. Um, one of, one of the best books I've read um, when I was getting my marriage and family therapy degree, I did it at a seminary. So we had to do like a ton of theology um, classes, but it's a book called Honor, Patronage, Kinship and Purity by David DeSilva. And I reference this book all the time because it really talks about what you were talking about. This, when something is 
used for what it was created to be, it's good. And I, I think we need to really, that's the whole point of like, um, parents raise up your kids in the way that they should go. It really talks about their personal bent mm-hmm. of who are they created to be. Yes. So help them understand themselves so that they can fulfill their purpose in this world. And um, and I think that book really gets to the heart of this. It talks a lot about Levitical codes and the purity of God and just um, kinship and patronage and our relationships and how when we keep those lines clear um, and we honor those things that God has put into place, like relationally and familially, life goes so much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, God created things to be harmonious, right? To be yeah. to have an order to them. And I think with you and I have talked about this recently with homeschooling, what is the one thing that drives moms away from homeschooling? It's when they feel their life is no longer ordered, right? When they can't yeah. get the laundry done and still get through the books for the day right. because they're, they've are they lost control of that order in their home. So this yeah. idea of goodness is, is when things are harmonious and in order, and it does create, it, it, it creates a wonderful, environment for your learning, but it does take some effort on your part to think about, to stop and say, what am I trying to accomplish here? And let's keep that, those lines clear and clean. And mm-hmm. when you build again, that idea of moral imagination in our children so that they can recognize when something's acting according to its purpose or when it's in a harmonious state, then when they see something that isn't beautiful, that third part, they'll know immediately in their soul because it's been ordered in their mind. Yeah. So we 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 conform our minds to Christ first in the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And then we begin to conform our observations of the world and how things work through this mm-hmm. idea of goodness. And then those two things together are what allow us to, to see what's beautiful. And beauty is a completely different concept than what our world teaches, isn't it, Lisa? The world says that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. right? So we, if we go to a, a museum with art, there can be a toilet sitting in the corner, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen those displays yeah. at art yeah. museums. And, and someone says, oh, but no, um, art is individual. And this is the person's rendition of what they think. And you right. can't judge that because that's yeah. art. And I'm afraid that is not correct. Right. Okay, because that's that's not beautiful because a toilet was designed for a different purpose, wasn't it? Right, right. So there's no goodness in that. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I'm it it reminds me of the argument that I don't care what my kids are reading as long as they're reading. And I just take such great like oh, like I don't know what I take in response to that, but I just I just I just want to go, no. Because even if your kids are reading picture books, there's so many beautiful books that they could focus on. Why let them? And I'm not talking about twaddle because sometimes just reading for fun and pleasure is just fine. I'm talking about those books that are offensive or that bring in things that are going to, you know, really cause them to think certain things that are not okay or okay. Those are the books I'm talking about. Well, even twaddle, if you, you yeah. need to be honest with your children about. So this was my standard with books at home. I said, if you treat your books like food and it's feeding you. So sometimes when we're on the run, we will stop and get fast food, but we know it's not really nutrition. 
So let's just be honest and say, this isn't really a meal. It's just giving us some calories. So if you're going to read twaddle, let's just call it what it is, right? It's just fluff and it's meaningless Mm -hmm. and don't try to give it anything more than that. And so if you want to just read a light book that doesn't have any value because it's, there's no theme or any message there other than just, just filling your mind with something to do, but be honest with it. Let's not pretend that it's got any redeeming value. Exactly. And I think that's the thing when we think about how do we recognize what is beautiful in, in my presentation, I, I had talked about this idea of beauty is physics, right? Mm -hmm. It's attraction. It's the law of attraction. So that which is beautiful draws us in. And the problem with that is, is that our flesh is very weak. And so Mm -hmm. there are things that draw us in that aren't beautiful. So without a spirit that understands truth and understands goodness, then we're easily drawn into something that's actually maybe more carnal. Like you said, the books with messages that could potentially be dangerous. And so Mm -hmm. when we have our spirits aligned with God and what God loves, then we will instinctively love what he loves and see beauty and what's beautiful. And so this idea that lies attract or lies deceive us, right? They, they, they give us, we are attracted in a way that's different. I forget the way I worded that. You asked me to say it one day and I was like, I did. No, I have Um, to repeat it. And I'm going to have to go look it up because it was so good. Um, I might actually have it in my notebook. Oh, here it is. So it's truth. True beauty inspires love. False beauty produces lust. Truth attracts and lies seduce. Mm. And so one, they both draw you in, but one speaks more to the spiritual and one speaks more to the carnal. And so that's why it's so important to build that part of our children up with truth and goodness so that that other part is stronger than our flesh because we're going to be attracted. It's just like music. You know, sometimes you just want to tap your toe, right? Even though, you know, maybe that music isn't the best Mm -hmm. uh, to be listening to. And I think if you can be honest and acknowledge, yes, I'm not listening to this music for God. I'm listening mm-hmm. to this for me. I just yeah. want to be entertained in my flesh. And so we do the same thing with many things, books, with with art. We can, I even kind of feel that way about abstract art. I feel like it's just a bunch of lines and colors and it's kind of pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But is it? does it really have any bigger redeeming value? Probably not. It's just mm-hmm. my flesh likes it. But yeah. when I look at Michelangelo, and what he's done, and I see the hand of God, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out. Then there's something that really resonates in my spirit that's so different. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of beauty. Yeah, it really is. And I was thinking, we were talking before, um, and I was talking to my husband about some of this, um, these ideas and my daughter earlier today, um, and just how our grandparents would respond to some of the things happening in the world today. And my husband mentioned when his grandparents would slaughter a hog because they did their own slaughtering, um, they would, the first cut was a portion of that meat for the poor. They would just set it aside. So that act of goodness came from their deep belief that they were stewards of, of whatever they were slaughtering and their community. They were stewards of both. <clears throat> and so they did this good act because of their moral beliefs. And then their act of kindness is beautiful. It just flows from one to the other, you know, them, them giving to people, but they would do it in a way that maintained the person's dignity. They wouldn't make a big grandstand show of it. They would do it very quietly. They would get it to the person without embarrassing them in any way. 
So it ended up being this real beautiful act of charity that fed the person's body and soul. And I think if we, if we can think about, you know, beauty comes from goodness, which comes from truth, capital T, it's this beautiful cycle um, that maintains the health and wellness of, of ourselves and our community, our wider community. And I think that's where the disconnection is in our society, besides not just the idea that truth is relative, but also the idea that beauty is about having a sense of meaning and purpose. And I I sometimes think that we failed, our generation failed as parents in that we were too focused on making our children happy. And we Mm -hmm. failed to teach them that what's really important about life is to have purpose. And so when, when your grandparents our parents did the slaughtering, they know that a life of purpose and meaning meant serving others. And so they were heavily connected to that idea that that was part of their purpose to be the hands of Christ. And so they, they were connected to that and it meant something and their purpose wasn't to take a better vacation. (laughs) Yeah. And so we, we have become kind of a selfish culture and society. And so we just need to be very cautious in our homeschool that we don't recreate some of those flaws that's in our culture, in our homes, or mm-hmm. or accidentally just allow those to infiltrate without even realizing. I mean, I can think about when someone asked me one time, it was a pastor that was teaching a workshop and he said, what do you want for your children? And I knew that my first thought was to say, I want them to be happy. But, but then when he challenged me to say, is that really all you want for your children? I thought, no, I don't. I want... I want them to have a life of meaning. So then I needed to just change my entire focus so that every day when I got up, I wasn't thinking about what can I do today to make my children happy? (laughs) What what can I do to connect them to to goodness, to help them be better people? Because they will then be happy because they will, they'll find beauty in life. Yeah. Well, and it gets back to, it gets back to eating fast food. Um, you know, it, it really gets back to that because we can be happy for a moment. Um, and I say this about, about education too. It's okay to challenge your kids. It's okay to make them work hard. It's okay for them to have to struggle. Um, if we make it too easy for them, I, I, you're, you're really, you're going against how their brains are made. Our brains are wired to want a challenge, to work hard, to be looking for new information. That's just how we've been created. And when we take that away from our kids, we're really like, we're demystifying the universe for them. Um, mm-hmm. If we make it too easy, they don't, they don't ever get that sense of, I broke a sweat over this. I worked really hard. I figured it out. I, and it's that deep sense of fulfillment when we've worked really, really hard and we got there. It results in genuine self-esteem too, because I know yeah. a lot of people in this era are really worried about their children's self-esteem. And I'll say the problem, and that is a problem because we've created a shallow self-esteem in our children by praising them all the time and mm-hmm. making things easy and giving them trophies and giving them awards instead of um, really challenging them to actually do something difficult and meaningful and produce because they know when you give a child a compliment and they know I didn't really do anything. Why are you giving me this? They know it's not producing a a depth of, of, of self-esteem. That is what you really want your children to have, which is a sense of confidence and, Mm -hmm. and purpose. Instead, it's creating kind of a narcissistic quality of a shallow sense of self-esteem that I'm just so terrific 
but they know it's not based on anything meaningful and real. And so I, I always tell my friends that when they say, I feel like my child's self-esteem is low. I said, then you actually need to get them out there doing things for other people and stop letting them focus on themselves. They'll actually, and, and they always say, that seems so opposite. <laughs> You're like a tough love neighbor, aren't you? <laughs> I do think that it, it you know, it, what, what seems obvious to us sometimes is just wrong. And so yeah. it does seem like puffing our kids up would solve that problem, but it really is, you have to be brought low to be, to be made yeah. high. And so the yeah. idea that you come down to a certain, you know, go work with the homeless for a while and you'll really realize how blessed you are and how strong you are. And, uh, and then you'll also just have a good feeling about helping people period. Right because there's a joy in that. When my yeah. I took my kids to a pretty rough neighborhood to serve food a couple times and a place that I used to work regularly in my job and and I think they were a little shocked actually at some of the things they saw how hard the people had it and and also there was mental illness and things. Yeah. And um those individuals that they were helping were so loving to my children. Mm-hmm. They were they would say to my children you're such a wonderful person to come here and help me. And my kids were like blown away by that. Actually, they didn't want to hear it. They, no, don't say that. They, they didn't, they didn't want to be puffed up. Like it made them feel humble to have this person who was living on the street. Yeah. Say to them, thank you. Mm. So this idea of something real and meaningful, you have to be brought low first. I do think that's just part of the process. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, you know, as you were talking about that, one of my grandpas, he was, he um, was raised in Mississippi or he was born in, no, Missouri. And at 12, he got on a train alone, um, left his family because they didn't have enough food, went to Chicago alone and made a life for himself there. And like, I think, I think a lot of us have family stories like that, right? Where, I mean, like, can you imagine 12 year old and, um, and he, he did it and he was a really generous person. And I think exactly what you're saying when, when we have gone through hardships, we have so much more compassion. Uh, My grandpa was always giving stuff away and money away and was a very generous person. And I think part of it was because he knew what it was like to not have enough. Um, and so, and I, and that's how the people that your kids serve, they know what it's like to not have anybody come and say, you know, you're a person with dignity. I appreciate you. I value you. And so when somebody does that, it's like, it's made their day. And mm-hmm. anyway, back to your point, I mean, I think it's okay to, to struggle and let your kids struggle and wrestle because they will get to the point of understanding beauty in a more profound way if they do. And if they go and serve. I agree. And I think that we have lost touch with all three of those things, but the beauty part, it naturally flows from the other, you know, life, it it, it can be hard and life can be ugly, but it is a funny thing how your entire perspective shifts and you begin to think about the idea that all human beings are beautiful. I feel like our society, you know, the abortion issue is really ugly right now and people are angry and they feel that something's been taken away from them. Um, and, and I understand that they feel that something has been done that indicates someone doesn't care about them. Right. Because you've taken away this thing that I've been told my whole life is a right. And that makes me okay. And now you're taking away. So you must not care about me because they haven't been taught that life is so beautiful. 
that every breath matters and every life that didn't get to take a breath is so precious and such a huge loss. And when you are connected with the beauty of life, you just, you just know that. And you know that it doesn't matter whether you're poor. I think that's the saddest thing I think about abortion. I worked with so many poor people who were poor. It's true. They, they struggled, but they were not unhappy people. Right. Okay. They were unhappy about being poor. Yeah. But they had, they, they were focused on such important things because of their poverty. They had very tight family relationships and all these things. I remember hearing an interview with Dolly Parton that just, resonated with me. She was raised in such abject poverty. And I remember listening to this interview and being blown away when she said, remember she wrote that song, The Code of Many Colors, because she didn't, they had nothing. And her mom had to just like stitch mm. scraps together and because that's all they could even get just for a jacket. And that she didn't even know she was poor. Wow. That's yeah. what she said. I didn't even know I was poor because my home was so loving and, and focused on on happiness and positivity, mm-hmm. and and so just and being she's poor, like she's changed her whole community. With oh, her, I know. I mean, she she is like literally. I say she's a rock star. Okay, she's a country oh. music star, but she has literally changed the literacy rate and the graduation yes. rate, and and raised the income level in her area because she took interest in the people around her, and she has such compassion for people who struggle because she struggled. Yes, she has. She is the embodiment of that type of goodness. And the fact that she that what she was trying to say is that the love that she had in her life. And so I think the idea that women are told that if they're poor, that they can't have children, that they shouldn't have children until they have a certain income and and a certain life standing. And yet you hear stories of people who struggled and, and then they had wonderful lives. They just had to get through those times. And, and I think that that's what makes me sad is that I think those lives are all being lost based on something very superficial that maybe isn't always true. And, and so just being poor isn't a reason enough to end your child's life. Like you, you, you can have a terrific life and you can grow together. And, you know, you remember what it was like when you first got married and moved out of your parents' home, right? Did you have everything? Not you were so I remember being so poor when I first moved out of my oh my goodness we had I've got a refrigerator on the side of the road I'm not kidding you we we needed a refrigerator and there was literally one on the side of the road and we drug it into the house because yeah. and, and and that's what we had until we could afford to buy a refrigerator and but those are such a those are the times we look back on in life and you go oh those were sort of fun times yeah. <laughs> Because we you were had just, to improvise, adapt, and overcome. You just had to. <laughs> yeah, and so I, you know, I think that's the thing when you just the, what's beautiful in life really is so much more than what it looks like on the outside, and we have yeah. to remember that. And that's true of human beings. I, you, you and I were talking about that earlier. The idea that sometimes people can be so shallow, and and yeah. I think our society has gotten very shallow because of social media. That was a thing I wanted to talk about a little bit today, this idea that beauty has become so relative and it's also so, it's so twisted by social media. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't put the pictures on Facebook that, that got caught me off guard and my nose is cockeyed and something's not right. Like I put the better photos out there. Right. But then what happens is we all begin to think that everybody else always looks great and everybody else is always put together. And then we are so hung up on the external and we forget that 
really what's truly beautiful right. is is so eternal it has nothing to do with whether my hair looked good that day or mm-hmm. if I'm the right weight or yeah you know. and I and we were talking about this before a lot of social influencers they have professional photographers and oh, drones yeah. and wardrobe stylists come to their home and do shoots monthly or quarterly or whatever and then they put that on social media the entire time and it looks like they're having this beautiful life and it might be, but it's staged. And mm-hmm. we were just talking about our grandparents before we started. And in my grandma, I had a grandpa who was born in 1896, right? So back then there wasn't orthodontal care. People were maimed and disfigured and had bad teeth. And still they treated each other with dignity. Not always. I don't want to paint like the, the past was so perfect because the past <laughs> was the past, you know? Right. Um, and I am really grateful for modern medicine and and dental care and all the things and toothpaste. I mean, praise God for those things. But my point is that social media values people who look good and devalues people who don't. And in God's economy, people are people and um, every life is valuable. We're all created in the image of God. And so we have the spirit of the living God within us. And that's something to celebrate. That is something really, you know, good and beautiful. Yeah. And being able to look at people and see them as God sees them. I think that it can be. I think we we can we can align our spirits to be able to do that, but it takes an effort. And it's just so easy to look at the world like everybody else to just see the external only, but to not try to look past that and see the human being that's there. Yeah. It takes it takes us we have to align ourselves to the truth and the goodness. And and then it just becomes very natural to just see past those things. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's like, oh, yeah, you're just going to snap your finger. And but but I think that's something we can create in our homeschools and in our children. We can create that what I was saying, the moral imagination. And boy, we could do a whole podcast on moral imagination, how yeah. we get our children's spirit and soul aligned in such a way that their vision literally is changed in how they see beauty. Yeah, that's, that is so good. I think this has been, in my mind, this has been the most um, helpful discussion on truth, beauty, and goodness from a pragmatic, practical point of view. I mean, and that's part of what we're doing at True North is really breaking down some of the bigger ideas, like how, you know, how to homeschool, how to intentionally parent, how to think about some of these things, Um, because we're all wrestling um, with how do we enact truth, beauty, and goodness in our lives every day? Because some days you're just like, enough people are irritating i don't want to talk to anybody (laughs) (laughs) all of you and um and and really we just have to keep realigning ourselves to okay what is true um where are we what are we supposed to be doing what are we created to do and be um and how do we live out the goodness that is in front of us doing the next good thing is that's an important concept i don't think it's simplistic i think it's helpful what is the next good thing right in front of me not in front of you, Angie, not in, not in where you live, but where I live in my life. And then what beauty comes from that? Um, Cause sometimes the beauty that comes is what we've helped bring about. And sometimes it's this magical serendipity thing that just becomes because we were, we, we did the truth thing. We did the goodness thing and the beauty just flowed from that. And it's just, it just happens. And it's amazing. I do want to say one more thing about goodness. And I, I, I'm going to say this because I think sometimes 
we see people doing great things and then we think, well, I'm only just doing this. I hear that word just from the moms. And yeah. I'm going to say this. We all have different seasons of life and whatever we're supposed to do in that season is our purpose. And we can, and it's okay for that purpose to be simple. And it's not just. So in my career, I did a lot of things working with people that were really struggling and it felt like it was this great save the world kind of thing. And then I became a mom and people said, you're just going to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that during that season, raising my children was the big just, right? It yeah. was very purposeful and meaningful. Those two lives, and I only have two children, were the thing I was doing. And it didn't matter any, anything else was happening. Yeah. My husband, he goes to work every day. He's not doing a job that's changing the world. He's mm -hmm. getting up and going to a job that he's in manufacturing. But his just thing is he's supporting his family so that they can become the best that they can become. And I hope that as my children are now leaving the nest, now my husband can shift some attention back to his own goals and growth and things he wants to do too. But in different seasons of life, sometimes that beautiful thing, that good thing we're doing feels very small, but it's not. Yeah. We can keep it simple and it's still extremely important and valuable. And we're not just mothers or just homeschoolers or just men that are going out and earning or living for their families. We're, we're doing God's you know, purpose. We're living that orderly life so that beauty can come from it. So I want to say that because mm -hmm. I'm teaching a career class right now. And I want my children that are in that class that we've been talking about jobs. And I said, you know, we tend to demean certain jobs. And every single person that's getting out there doing something is contributing something important. Mm -hmm. And you all have to know that. Yeah, yeah. It's such a good word. And I think, um, you know, when you were talking, it reminded me of Nehemiah's, uh, you know, the book of Nehemiah, and they're on the wall. They're just building a wall. And they're just holding a knife. I mean, they're just doing this simple thing, but they're building, they're defending, they're creating. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're not just creating a wall, they're creating a legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're showing us what can be done when you put your hand to the plow. I mean, all these thousands of years later. So I, I love that you added that word because it is so important, especially as if you're a homeschool mom, you were just like, I don't know, I've been at parties and people go, Hey, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a mom. Oh, really? How many kids do you have? Yeah. And I say, and yeah, we homeschool. And I've literally had people go, Oh, and walk away. <laughs> like. I have two master's degree. I've written thousands of blog posts. I've done hundreds of curriculum reviews. You say homeschooling and you're just like, it's, it's, uh, it's a conversation <laughs> killer, right? Yeah. We just can't let, groups. we can't let people minimize the value, the yeah. goodness okay, yes. that's in what we're doing. Yeah. So I love that you ended with that because that's a good word. Homeschooling mom, you are not just homeschooling. You are investing in the lives and souls of people that God gave you. And that is a beautiful, good, and true thing to do. Thanks for joining me, Angie. You guys will be back next week at Life Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. You can check out Angie's classes in the show notes, and um, we'll put resources in there too, along with the Dolly Parton song. So we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, everybody, this is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. And I just want to remind you that you can find all of our classes and clubs, testing, advising, mom's membership, and more at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. We do offer live online, dynamic, interactive, small group classes. 
So when your students take classes with us, they're not in a they're not in a Zoom room full of 100 people. We keep our class sizes small so that the students get to know both the teacher and their fellow students. We um, use a lot of different technology to make the classes dynamic and interactive, including presentations, projects, breakout rooms, virtual whiteboards, and more. Um, we like to say that we use time-tested educational pedagogy coupled with cutting-edge technology to bring the best educational opportunities to your students in, in the privacy of your own home. We do provide syllabus and grading for all classes. Um, clubs are more relaxed, so we don't provide syllabus or grading for those, but you can certainly use our clubs for the transcripts, and we'd love to help you know how to do that. Stay tuned this year, 2022, for some exciting new um, classes and clubs being offered by Turner Film School Academy. Um, we're also going to be offering an honor club, dual enrollment, and so much more. We are honored to partner with you as you homeschool your children. Again, check out truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com, and thanks for listening to today's podcast.